Well, good morning, everybody. Hope you're doing okay. Hey, look, for the next two Sundays, it's such a personal, incredibly intense and emotional and joyful time uh, we're going to be having. Um, Six powerful words that change the world. It is finished. He is risen. So today we're going to be talking about it is finished. We're going to really dial into the cross. You see, our worship really should be focused on the cross and an empty tomb. Paul David Tripp said it so well. Look what he said. Corporate worship is designed to confront you with a view of life that has at its center a dead man's cross and a living man's empty tomb. Those are powerful words. So today we're going to go to the cross We're going to have the Lord's Supper today. And you know, for every believer, the cross should be personal. And for it to be personal, we have to understand what it means, what's going on there. So so would you just pray with me right now? Father, we come to you right now. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you just... Fill us right now that you teach us what was happening at the cross and how personal that is to us. And God, help us right now to hear, to engage, to prepare our own hearts to remember the cross. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when we think about the cross, we, we tend to, as believers, kind of get dialed in to the physical torment that Jesus experienced on the cross. I think when we do that, we miss the point. Now, I don't want to minimize the horrible torture Jesus endured on the cross. Crucifixion may well be the most cruel, violent means of death ever devised. But today, I I want us to focus on what was happening spiritually and eternally. You know, the Romans crucified thousands of people. What made the cross of Christ different? You see, everyone who died on a cross, on a Roman cross, died for the Roman laws that they broke. They died for their own sin. Jesus died on a cross because we broke God's law. He died for our sin. The cross of Christ was not a criminal justly dying on a Roman cross. The cross of Christ was not a good man dying unjustly for a good cause. The cross of Christ was the Son of God dying our death, bearing our sin, so we can be made right with God. They may not use the word sin, but most people get it. 
I think most people get it. We live in a broken, sinful world, and all of us personally are sinful. Because you're either sinful or you're perfect, right? I, I don't know anybody who would say, yeah, I'm probably perfect. I mean, the people, I mean, we get it that we live in a sinful, broken world, and we get it that we are sinful people. We, here's what we miss. We, we tend to see things in degrees. So there's, there's perfect, there's really, really good, there's good, there's kind of good, there's not so good, there's really bad, and there's horrible. And we kind of rate ourselves on, on an ongoing, but you know, well, I, my, look, I, look, I'm not perfect, but I'm not horrible. You know, sometimes I might be bad. Sometimes I kind of move up to kind of good. Then sometimes I give well, Sometimes I'm really good. I never quite make it the perfect, but, you know, I'm not so bad on the scale. You, you, you see, because we see things in degrees, our solution to sin is very different than God's solution to sin. Our solution is, I'll try harder to be better. I mean, I've never been horrible, and sometimes I've been bad. So, so my, my goal is, I'm, I'm going to do better, I'm going to try harder to be better so I can be good. The problem with that is, God... God doesn't use this. God only has two categories. Perfect, sinful. Holy, unholy. Righteous, unrighteous. That's it. So, the harder we try to be better... We just can't ever solve our sin problem because we all know we're not perfect. And God's got two standards, perfect, sinful. Hmm. Which feels like a dilemma. I mean, it feels like, uh, what do I do? So, so therefore, because all that's true, because God's standard is perfect, we have a sin problem we can't solve. We are guilty in God's sight. Uh, in the Old Testament, Job asked a great question. Look, look what he asked. But how can a person be declared innocent in God's sight? Well, that's the question, right? If with God, it's either perfect or sinful, holy or unholy, righteous or unrighteous, but we're sinful, unholy, unrighteous. And we're stuck in that. And if God's the judge, and he is, that means guilty. So Job asked the right question. How can a person then be declared innocent? God, how are you ever going to get there? See, Job understood this. We are simply guilty with no hope of getting past guilty on our own. So Jesus 
answered Job's question with his last three words on the cross. Look in your outline there. Job 19, verse 28. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. What was his mission? To seek and save the lost, to give his life for a ransom for many. Jesus knew his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. Jesus' words, it is finished, are, are loaded with meaning. Past the obvious meaning of his physical death, his physical life ended. You, you, you see, uh, in the Bible, there, there's, a, there, there's a scarlet thread from Genesis to Revelation that goes all through the Bible. And that scarlet thread is the blood of Jesus. It's on every page of the Bible. The blood of Jesus. 700 years before Jesus was even born, the, the prophet Isaiah said, look at this. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. It's all through the Bible. This sin problem that's stuck to us like glue that we can't get rid of. And we have no way to solve that problem. It took the blood of Jesus. So when Jesus said, it is finished, he meant far more than his physical life ending. So here, here, here are three things that ended when Jesus said, it is finished. Here's the first thing. Separation we can't fix. The, the, the word the Bible uses that is, is atonement. And it's kind of this idea, sin separated us from God. From the moment sin entered this world, it broke this world, fatally flawed this world is. And that sin separates us from God. But God loves us and he, don't, he doesn't want to be separated from us. So he had a plan for us to be reconciled with him. And that plan was his son, Jesus. The simplest way to understand atonement is this, at one month. So we were separated from God, but on the cross, Jesus reconciled us to God when we believe, and we are now at one month with God. That happened on the cross. So this separation that has been with us since the beginning of time is now fixed. We are now at one with God when we believe. In Matthew's gospel, we get an amazing kind of symbol of this uh, reconciliation. Look at Matthew chapter 27, verse 50. Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So in the temple, uh, there was a, a huge curtain that separated 
the, the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. It was 45 feet tall. It was four inches thick of woven material. It, it was a pretty massive thing. And once a year, the, the high priest would go behind uh, the, the Holy of Holies and he would offer a sacrifice. It was on the Day of Atonement. And when he would offer the sacrifice, God would see the blood and he would accept the blood as forgiveness for the sins of Israel. But only the high priest could go in. God was separate from everyone else. And he was going in just once a year. And and this was a holy, holy place. But when Jesus died on the cross, at that second when he died, the curtain in the temple tore from top to bottom. It's 45 feet tall. Nobody else did this. God did this. It's a symbol, God tearing this curtain where now we are not separate from God. Um, Look at this verse in Hebrews 10. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus. He, he's the one that did all that. He went there, opened the curtain, who rules over God's house. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. So, so when that temple sp- curtain split... It's like God saying, there's no more separation. Come right into my presence. That is a huge deal. But it took the blood of Jesus. You see, on the cross, Jesus atoned for our sins. And now, when we believe... We are made right with God and are fully reconciled with him. Second thing that ended on the cross, justice we can't satisfy. Now, the word the Bible uses is propitiation. Look at 1 John chapter 2. My little children, I am writing these things... To you, so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So, so John is saying, I'm giving you this stuff so that you can have right relationship with God giving you this information so that you won't blow it. But if you do blow it, and all of us do, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus, the righteous. You know, that term advocate is a, it's kind of a legal term. It really means like a defense attorney. So just think about it this way. God the Father, judge, he looks at us and he declares us, boom, guilty. Because we all have sinned. And the wages of sin is death and hell. Have you sinned? Yes. Boom, guilty, death, hell. But just imagine in this courtroom, 
We're the judge, the father, the holy one. Declares us guilty. Death, hell. But just before the sentence is carried out, Jesus, our advocate, steps in. Father. Yes, Father. They have sinned, and yes, they are guilty, and yes, your justice demands death, hell. Father, the penalty of death and hell has already been paid. See the scars? I paid it. And God now sees us through the blood of his son. He paid our sin penalty. He died our death. Boom, not guilty. That is a huge deal. Now look, the Bible is clear. Sin must face the wrath of God. Otherwise, God is not a just God. Propitiation means God's wrath has been satisfied. What did that look like on the cross? Look at this. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani. My God, my God. Why are you, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, the full wrath of God, the full penalty of our sin was landing on Jesus. Not just our sin, but the sin of the whole world. And Jesus, feeling all the weight of that, all of that separation from God that sin brings. The full weight of God's judgment and wrath is being poured out on Jesus. It's the penalty of our sin. There's a real picture of this in the Old Testament where in the Holy of Holies where atonement was made, there was the Ark of the Covenant. Inside of the Ark of the Covenant was the perfect law of God. The lid on top of the Ark of the Covenant was called the mercy seat where the high priest would come and sprinkle blood Above the mercy seat was the Shekinah glory of God, the holiness of God. So there is this perfect law. God demands perfection. And if it were just the perfect law and holy God, his wrath must land on us. But between holy God and the perfect law, 
there's a mercy seat with blood. So the blood of Jesus stands between the perfect law and a holy God. And we receive mercy. (laughs) I tell you, when God declares us not guilty, this is so important that you understand this. If you're listening, say amen. When God declares us not guilty, he doesn't just push the clear button. He can't do that. God won't just say, you're forgiven without the price of sin being paid. Because he's just. And the, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. So God offers his son, Jesus, as propitiation, the the very thing that his wrath lands on so that he can declare us not guilty. You know, we get that in real world stuff. But we won't allow ourselves to apply that to God. We, we Somehow in our own minds, we won't let God just... Well, God should just forgive. I mean, why is all that stuff necessary? Just forgive. Just push the clear button. Justice, big deal. But if we uh, picked up our phone and started scrolling through the news and we found out there was this whole family of young children that were brutally murdered, tortured. And we found out that the murderer stood before a judge, and the judge said, uh, you're free to go. I mean, after all, anybody can have a bad day. We would be outraged, right? The justice in us would say, where's the justice? The penalty must be paid. You know where that comes from? That comes from God. God demands justice. But look, he also knows the only way to satisfy his wrath, the only way for him to be just is by our own death and hell because we've all sinned but God loves us and he doesn't want any of us to suffer death and hell so he put the full force of his wrath on his beloved son Jesus that's what God calls Look at this. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So when we put our faith in Jesus, God is just 
but he's also the justifier. He, he, he won't just push the clear button. Justice will be served. But because he loves us and when we put our faith in him, he pays the penalty for us. He's the justifier. Mm. All right, here's the third thing that was finished on the cross. Debt we can't pay. The word the Bible uses is redemption. When Jesus said, it is finished, it's, um, it's one Greek word. So that little phrase, it is finished, is one Greek word. The word is tetelestai. Um, and uh, it's really interesting. So in, in, um, in the history of archaeology, they have found ancient manuscripts that were financial transaction, and they would have written across it to Telestai. It is finished. Debt is paid. So when Jesus said, it is finished, the way he said it was to Telestai. It's finished. The debt's paid. The balance sheet is zeroed out. The weight of your sin is no longer against you. The price has been paid. When you believe. Mm. Look at 1 Peter 1, 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold... From your aimless conduct received by the traditions from your fathers. But here's what you were redeemed with. With the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. So for Jesus to write to tell us thy over our life. The only possible thing to write with was the blood of Jesus. There was no other adequate price. So we are redeemed. We are forgiven. We are purchased by the blood of Jesus. Isn't that incredible? So how do we respond to that? What's the, the right response to the finished work of Jesus? Here's the first thing. Write this down. We believe Jesus. Just listen to these very familiar words. Hear them brand new in the context of everything we've said. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. One verse, so simple, so beautiful, so full of grace, so full of mercy, so full of love. Mm. So God, who did all of that for me and you, says, I love you. And I've prepared a place for you that's fantastic. But between here and there is death and hell and sin. 
But if you believe, I'm going to write to Telestai over it all. Ephesians 2.8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Okay. I've been praying all week about this moment right here. That God the Holy Spirit would be working in some of your hearts right now. Or maybe you're watching at home. And for the first time in your life, you understand the cross. Because you can't be saved without understanding the cross. That's what you believe. And maybe you're here right now and you're just saying, I get it. I get it. What Jesus did. And right now, you're thinking, I want to believe. I want to be God's child. I want to be forgiven. I want to have a home in heaven. I want to tell us that I've written across my life. Here's what you do. I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes right now. Here's what I want you to do. With all that you can earnestly, honestly say in your heart right now. Say this to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you. I get it. I understand what happened on the cross and what all was finished. And I want you to know right now, I believe you. And I'm trusting you. Save me. All right, everybody, look at me. If you just prayed that prayer to Jesus, asked him to save you, acknowledge your belief based on everything we've talked about, here's what I want you to do. Just take your phone out, or if you're home, just take your phone out, and just text the word believe to the number on the screen. Just do it right now. Just text the word believe. To the number on the screen. It is the absolute right response. To the cross. To the finished work of Jesus. Okay. Here's the second way we should respond. To the finished work of Jesus. We surrender to his love. Romans 5.8 says. But God showed his great love for us. By sending Christ to die for us. While we were still sinners. I mean, do you get that? I mean, God wasn't watching us on the scale that I'm, I'm bad, but now I'm okay, and now I'm pretty good, and now I'm good, and now, God, I, see God, see God what I did? No. God loved us while we were horrible, sinful, unholy, unrighteous. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. 
And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You get that? So as believers, how do we respond to the finished work of Jesus? Here's my life. It's yours. It's your life. I surrender to you. One more thing. Here's how we respond. We remember his death. So the Bible has given us so much to prepare for the Lord's Supper. Just listen to these words in 1 Corinthians 11. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread or drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. And if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Those harsh words. You know why? You, I mean, it, why? I mean, that seems harsh, right? I mean... We just do it all the time. It's just a cracker and some grape juice. What's the big deal? That's God's judgment on me. Yes. Because it's not about that. It's about everything we just talked about. God's wrath, God's forgiveness, the atoning work of Jesus Christ, redemption through his blood. The whole Bible points to the cross. You think God takes that seriously? So when his church comes together to remember all of that, he said, you better examine yourself. Because I take this very seriously, so you better. So right now, here's what I want us to do. I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to just pray this prayer with me right now. God, would you show me in the power of the Holy Spirit the things in my life I need to get right with you right now? God, would you show me the things in my life That I have ignored. 
the sin that has gone unconfessed, the attitudes that are sinful. God, would you show me right now? Now be still, be quiet, let God show you. God made us a promise. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So would you right now, those things that God just showed you, would you just confess those to the Lord and ask for his forgiveness? If you do, you will receive it. Father, here we are, your church. And we have examined ourselves just like you commanded us. And right now, God, we remember. And we pray in Jesus' name.